Real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real, real Phony gon' recognize, still, still recognize with Like we always do with this time
I want to give a real special shout out real fast because the men out there that do their thing every every single day, holding down their fam, got their job going, got their side grind going, they always get the shots out. So today I want to throw a little shout out to Miss Miller because she goes and she lets hubby go and do what he does. She lets she shares him with us. And very rarely do the people in the background get any shout-outs. So I'm going to go ahead and shout-out Miss Miller. Thank you for all you do at home, and thank you for sharing hubby with us. So, like I said, welcome to KIRP Radio Show. It's going to be a great show tonight. It's been a while since I did this, but I'm back into it, swinging, feeling good. So we're going to be talking about the gatekeepers tonight. Who are the gatekeepers in America? Now, it's a funny topic, and and I hope you can connect the dots because I do things a little bit different on the shakeup, so it's going it's going to come out of left field a little bit. But I hope you enjoy. It, you know what I'm saying? I hope you ain't sending P no hate mail like why why you got her doing your show? <laughs> because I plan on making it good. So I hope you stick around and um listen throughout the entire show. Um, if you Listen to the show before, you know I've been on here before, and I always tell you I have one main mission. My main mission in all that I do is to stop the black community from killing itself. That is my mission from my heart. That is what I feel God put me here for, and everything that I do, it goes towards that one aim. So whether it's on a street corner, whether it's in an abortion clinic, or whether it's like our sister Whitney Houston that we, we laid down the rest this weekend, is self-inflicted by using drugs, we need to stop the slaughter and killing of our own selves. All We face a myriad of problems in this country. We face so many problems in this country and so many problems, especially within the black community. But one thing that we should all be able to get behind, no matter what you are, um, politically, what you are, religiously, what you are, any other set, one thing we should be able to get behind together and to work cooperatively towards is to stop slaughtering ourselves, to stop the genocide of ourselves. So out of everything I do, that is my one main mission, and um, I hope you feel it tonight. You know, I really hope that everything I say comes out and you realize that that's my mission, that's my purpose, First most, um, first most is to educate, and secondly is to back it up with culture. So um, that's how I do it. So that's how we're going to be rocking tonight on KRP Radio. All right. Now, I have a little segment that I like to start off because if nothing else, you have to start off with inspiration. Because to me, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God in so many ways. I would not I would not be here if it wasn't for God. So I have this little... Um, segment that I like to do, and I I like to call it the conservative whisper. And the reason I call it the conservative whisper is it's it's one of those things like I always, my mom passed um, about seven, eight years ago, and whenever I'm doing something wrong, I always hear her in the back of my head, you know, like that little whisper telling me I know better or telling me you, you know, don't make me come after you. So I always got that, that sound in the back of my head, and I call that my mommy whisper. So when I want to put something inspirational out there, I like to call it the conservative whisper. And tonight my conservative whisper is going to be how God works. <laughs> Powerful. 
how God works. And I want to give you the conservative whisper in the form of a testimony. All right, my personal testimony. A couple, um, I'll say about three or four years ago, I started a blog. And on this blog, all I wanted to do, I wanted to talk about my faith. I wanted to talk about my community. I wanted to talk about um, just the little things that bother me every day that I saw going on. And I wanted to try to um, provide some solutions that I I didn't see anyone else talking about. And, and that was my my main purpose for starting this blog. Well, one of my blogs got picked up by a, a guy on the radio, and he, he loved it, so he invited me on his show. And I came on his show from time to time, and I kind of got bit by the radio bug. And um, I... I wanted to do my own show. I wanted to put it together, but I had this inkling inside of me of uh, who, why would anyone listen to me? Who was I to think that I could solve somebody's problems? Who, you know, what made me believe that that I was worthy to um to try to lead somebody or to try to get out front and provide solutions? I had so much self doubt about myself that it, it basically I was so afraid that I would not take one. Step. Well, God kind of boxed me in, and he put me in a place where that step was inevitable. And I had this, I found this quote, and it's unknown, so I don't know exactly who wrote it, but I want to share it with you. It says, faith is trusting in God's plan, not trusting that God will give you your plan, for he is not your magic genie. He is not your servant. We are his. And that's how I felt because I wanted God to use me as a tool. And here he was telling me, go on the radio. And here I was asking him, who am I? What makes me worthy to do this? And I never, ever thought about the fact that he made me worthy to do this. He gave me everything I need to do this. He put me in a position where I could go from having all of these ideas in my head to being able to write them down and put them in a blog to being able to have the confidence to go out and do it on the radio. And then once I went out and I did it on the radio, he took me the next step and he put me out in front of a crowd. Then he took me one step further and he put me on TV. Then he took me on one step further and he put me on the big screen. Step by step by step, I didn't ask for the radio. I didn't ask for the TV. I didn't ask for the big screen. I didn't ask for any of that. All I asked God was, was use me as a tool. And so now when people come up and they're like, oh, you did this, you did that, you're this, you're that, I'm so humble in saying, I didn't do it. What? That's not the point. You're missing the point. The point is this. We have to stop slaughtering ourselves. But because he put me in those places, because he gave me that stage, because he gave me that arena, because he gave me the confidence to understand that I was made in his image and therefore I had a purpose and a plan and it was predestined and if I walked in his path that he would make sure everything would work out just fine and because I had faith in that, I was able to go to these places, to, to these places in front of these huge groups of people, and I was able to tell them what I felt in my heart, what I felt in my soul, and be thankful that God had put me in that place where I could accomplish these great things. So that is what God is. Stop making plans. 
Stop trying to be out in front. Stop trying to say that this is what I want, this is what I need. You have something inside of you that you want to bring out. I'm just saying let God create your pathway. Let him light it. When when something comes along and you say not necessarily, if he brought it to you, pray on it. You'll know he brought it to you. You'll feel it in your gut that it's the right thing to do and trust it and let him guide you. And if you let him guide you, your possibilities are limitless. Faith is trusting in God's plan, not trusting that God will give you a plan. He is not your magic genie. He is your ser- he is not your servant. We are his servants. So that's the conservative whisper. Thank you for tuning in to KIRP Radio Show. We're going to hit you up with a commercial break real fast. Then we're going to come back on. We're going to have Charlotte on. She's going to tell us about being good stewards of our money, how to save and how to scrounge, the things that Charlotte does best. Keep it, keep it on this dial, KIRP Radio. Switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Wee! Wee, wee, wee! 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 If money talks, I got my masters in communication. But I don't run it, I run it for a hundred. Ever since I was a young and been hungry, it's called Bunyan. You've been so fixed to plumbing, I'm a beast in the game, you run it. And if this ain't what you call hip hop, it must be bungee jumping. East side on my arm, three stripes on my sneakers. And even if they slip us, they better be Adidas. Sixty thousand North Carolina families are affected by autism. One out of every one hundred ten children born today will be diagnosed with autism. If you have any questions or need support, we can help. The Autism Society of North Carolina can be reached at eight hundred four four two two seven six two. Again, that's eight hundred four four two two seven six two. Remember, 60,000 North Carolina families are affected by autism, and one out of every 110 children born will be diagnosed with autism as well. If you need to reach them by the web, the address is www.autismsociety-nc.org. You can also reach them on Facebook, Twitter, and you can reach them on YouTube. Love somebody today.
something else with that music, man, because you got me up in here dancing, missing the cues and stuff. Welcome back to KRRP Radio, keeping it real with Pudgy. Pudgy's at home handling the fam, so he got me, Sunny, and hosting, guest hosting. So grateful to be here. And um, next up, we're going to have Charlotte with the Triad Super Saver, stretching your budget. Charlotte, you there? I'm here. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. And how are you today, sister? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, it's snowing here, so I'm actually enjoying that. Our first oh. snow here. See, I'm skinny. I don't like the snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to have at least one snow of the year, so... We're hoping it sticks around a little bit. Oh, well, good. We up here near D.C., so we, we a little bit safe. We ain't had the snow hit us yet. So what you oh, got on deck, Um, Well, I just wanted to talk just a little bit about one of my favorite things when I'm shopping and trying to save money, and that's something called rain checks. So I was just going to enlighten everybody about that just a little bit. Okay, well, the is yours. Okay, thank you. So, um, you know, as I always am talking about ways to save money and couponing, um, I wanted to share one of the most important things, at least I think, with couponing, and that is rain checks. Most people don't even think about rain checks. You probably, you know, it's something that you don't even remember by the time you get to the store, to the end of the checkout aisle, because if you're like me, I'm so consumed with what I've been doing and couponing and getting all my groceries and checking out if I have kids or whatever, that by the time I've checked out, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just forgot to get the rain check. So I always have a pen and paper and I just jot down the things that I want to get a rain check for. And the purpose of a rain check is basically it holds that sale price for you. So, um, you know, I'm always a big proponent of learning your source coupon policies and their, um, you know, basic store policies. And some stores have rain checks that don't ever expire. I'm fortunate enough to have a store like that. It's one of my favorite stores to shop at. I go there at least once a week. And with um, with that, my, my rain check never expires. So I can hold that rain check, which holds that price of that sale um, when they're out of that item. And then I just wait for another coupon to come around. If you've couponed at all, you know that coupons typically do come back around. You, you'll see this sometime throughout the year. So with the fact that my rain check won't expire, I can keep and hold that until another good coupon comes around. And then I still score that awesome deal. So, you know, if you're going into the store and you're, if you're like me, I'm always there on the last day of the sale because that's usually the last time I can get there. And all the items are sold out, and it's kind of frustrating, I know. Um, so that's the good thing about getting a rain check. So I don't miss out on that good deal. Even though I don't get it right then, um, I still can get that deal later. So that's really um, an important thing. If your store does have an expiration date on their rain checks, um, then you know, just go ahead and get the rain check and then hopefully a coupon will come back around or your coupon won't expire within that time frame of the expiration date of that rain check. So just keep that in mind when you're going to the store. So don't get bummed out if that that item's sold out. Then you can get the rain check, hold it, and and still get the awesome deal. Um, Another quick little thing that I wanted to share um, 
you know, a lot of people ask me where I find coupons and that kind of thing. So one of the best places nowadays is actually online. So if you don't like to get the Sunday paper, which I do recommend, um, but if you just can't make it out or you can't um, remember to get the Sunday paper, a lot of manufacturers are putting their coupons on Facebook. So I know there's been a lot of talk, Pudgy talks about Facebook a lot, um, but and, and it can be a little time-consuming, but you can get really high-value coupons because when they put them on the Internet, they're allowed to limit the amount of coupons that they actually release. So um, they will put higher-value coupons out there because they can limit the amount that they're going to give out. Um, which is kind of opposite of what happens whenever you um, get the Sunday paper. There's tons and tons and tons of those, and so people can buy those. And so they kind of lower the prices, and, um, you know, since there's more going around. So, you know, check, if you're looking for coupons, check the manufacturer's Facebook page. And a lot of times you'll just see a tab on the left side that will say coupons. Um, or and you'll have to like their page to get the coupon. That's kind of the trade-off, but it's totally worth it um, because I've gotten a lot of really great coupons lately that I've never seen that come out in the Sunday paper. So that's just one little quick tip on uh, another resource for you to find really good coupons. That's all I have, Sunny. Okay, so I wanted to ask you about like when you're doing your rain checks. Um, one of the uh-huh. things that I that I commonly hear, especially when I go to the store, is that um, they can switch the products out. So, have you found it that it, they'll accept the coupons? Like, if if it's for downy paper towels, that they will also uh, accept that like that coupon for um, a different brand, if if that's what the sale is at the time. Not typically. They now I know what you're saying, and they will exchange out like. Um, if there's a big sale or something, they will swap it out for a like item. But if it's not the same brand, then they typically won't take the coupon because they won't get reimbursed for that. Um, with coupons, they have to turn in the, all the receipts with all the coupons that they get for that day. And so they'll only get reimbursed for what was actually bought. So, um, so just, you know. The range and wait for the coupon, uh, wait, uh, yeah. wait for the product to come back in. Yeah, yeah. If they offer that to you at the store, just tell them that you have a coupon and you'd like to just have the rain check instead of the item if it's something you don't really need right then. Okay, and when you say the, uh, you get the coupons on Facebook, I like to throw out there because mm-hmm. this is something I kind of do. You got the ability to um, to group um, certain things online. So if you can go online and say get all your favorite brands and manufacturers, you can all kind of put them all into one group. And then you can go and mm-hmm. check that group occasionally to see what coupons that they have there. But I ask you, um, do you think that you find the better coupons online or in the Sunday paper? Because I'm not, I'm not one to really do the paper. I'm more of the go through online and kind of click, um, click the ones that I need and get them printed off. Do you think that you find the better coupons in the newspaper, or do you find, or can you find equal coupons on online? Um, I actually get that question a lot. I, I find, for me personally, that I do about 50-50. I really um, get a lot of good coupons that are in the Sunday paper that I would never find online, and then that goes in reverse. I, I get a lot of really high-value coupons online that I wouldn't get in the paper. 
So I kind of use, I really do actually use both uh, 100%. I mean, I if you can do it, I would say get both because, um, you know, a lot of times there will be some of the same coupons that will come out, but, you know, you still can get a lot of other coupons that are printable. But with printable coupons um, that you get online, their expiration date a lot of times is a lot shorter. So if you're only printing coupons, you've got to make sure you're going to the store within that month because those coupons are going to expire typically within a month's time of printing, whereas a lot of your paper coupons that you'll get in the sunny paper, they can, you know, go up to 6, 12 months sometimes. So they're going to have longer expiration dates if you don't get to the store as often. So there's kind of a catch-22 on both sides. Mm, Okay. Well, I got um so I wanna know because I was listening to the show a couple of weeks ago and I heard you and you put out a a challenge to Pete about going to the grocery store five dollars and seeing who could come out. Has he did he back out on it or y'all setting that up Because that, that's something that I was interested. I wanted to see how, how bad you would beat because you know women control the pocketbook purse a little bit better than the men do. I like the way you think. You can be on my team. <laughs> Um, no, Most definitely, you know how it is when you the one got to look out for the fam. You try to save pennies everywhere you go. And I also know that you had a program that was the coupon for soldiers. And I am a big advocate for our military. Could you go over that one more time and just um, just remind everybody what that was about? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, obviously, if you've listened at all, but veterans and military personnel are really dear to my heart. Um, I actually work for the Department of Veterans Affairs, so I serve veterans every single day, so it's something that's a constant reminder as I'm um, trying to help them. So it was something that was important to me, but um, expired coupons are a way that we can um, give back to the active military personnel. So um, for those active duty person, military personnel that live overseas, they, um, the commissaries and their PX, which is their, um, you know, local grocery store, if you're not familiar with that, they are accepting expired coupons up to six months past their expiration date because of them being overseas and it takes things longer to ship, so they allow six months. So, um, you know, I we collect expired coupons, um, and actually my cousin and I, you know, sort through all these coupons every month and ship them overseas. So that um, we've adopted two military bases in Italy, an Air Force and an Army base. And so we are sending those coupons over to them and blessing them with, you know, instead of throwing them away, we're blessing them and helping them to save money too. Um so it's just something that's really important, and so I'm always encouraging people, please don't throw your coupons away. You can mail them to us. Pudsey has a link on his site, and you can also find the link on our page, stretchingyourbudget.com. It's on the right-hand side of our page, and um, it's got my mailing address there that you can send the coupons to. So definitely important, um, another way to get back. Most definitely. Soldiers need all the help that they can get, so God bless you for being a blessing to them. That That's really touching and, and warms my heart up. So I appreciate you for just standing out for that effort. Well, thank you very much. And I really I wanted to say um, that I was listening to the first part of your episode just a little bit ago, and that was really awesome. That word was great. So 
keep up what you're doing too. It's really good. All right. Well, thank you so much. This is Charlotte from StretchingYourBudget.com, right? Any, yes, and ma'am. now you know I got to do it because Pete would get mad at me if I did. Shout out. Uh, um, gosh, he does this to me every week, and I never can think of anything. Um, shout out to our troops. Um, just God bless you all for serving, and just keep up the hard work. Amen. Well, thank you for coming on, Charlotte. Always good to save money. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. It's the KRP Radio Show. Your girl, Sunny, stepping in for P for the night. We're going to hit in with a commercial break, and then we're going to come back with the slanted news. You know how I do it. So keep that down right there, KIRP Radio, keeping it real with Pudgy. Remember this number, 9.8. That's not the time on the shot clock. For the seconds left in the game. It's not the number of times I will light you up. Nah, 9.8 isn't any of that. It's ounces. And that makes this the life ever. Scientific tests prove when you drink Dr. Pepper slow, the 23 flavors taste even better. For me, Slow always produces a hit. Put the sauce on Slower is better. Trust me. Do you have a garage full of old junk? At least you think it's old junk. How about a storage that you've been paying the bill on for so long and you've just been moving stuff into and you're ready to get rid of it when you look at it all the time? Well, if you do, make sure you contact Faulkner's Antiques before you throw it away. Again, that's Faulkner's Antiques out of Burlington, North Carolina. Faulkner's will pay you top dollar for estates, sterling, old furniture, pottery, signs, old toys, and etc. Faulkner's Antiques, they specialize in some of the most prolific antiques in this part of eastern North Carolina or the USA. So make sure you contact Wayne Prophet at Faulkner's Antiques, 336-214-6427. Again, that's Wayne Prophet. That's the man you want to talk to at Faulkner's Antiques, 336-214-6427. And if you get a hold of Wayne, guess what? He'll come to you free of charge. And if you can't get to him at that number, make sure you dial this other number. 336-675-4897. And don't forget, Wayne Prophet at Faulkner's Antiques says, don't forget the reason for the season.
across America, the NFL and United Way are inspiring kids to get healthy and more active. Join the Play 60 movement. Pledge to Play 60 today at liveunited.org. 9.8 ounces is nothing. 9.8 ounces is everything. It's the difference between empty bleachers and packed houses. It's the difference between showing up and taking over. It's the difference between JV and VIP. Because the difference between nothing and everything is 9.8 ounces. The difference is the Adidas Adidas Crazy Light. The lightest ever. Available at Foot Locker. K-I-R-P Radio! Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. For all your trucking needs, make sure you contact Allen's Trucking LLC. That's Allen's Trucking LLC, owner Brian Allen and BA Welding Incorporated. For all your trucking or your welding needs or transportation needs across the country, make sure you contact Allen's Trucking LLC out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Their number is 919-426-5455. Again, 919-426-5455. If you have transportation needs and you need to get your equipment there on time, make sure you contact Allen's Trucking LLC. Sound Shoe, the number one online music tournament, encompasses seven different genres, including hip hop, R&B, country, reggae, reggaeton, pop, rock, and gospel. Music artists, log on to SoundChew.com to compete for a chance to have exclusive access to music listeners across the globe. Build relationships with other music artists and music professionals, plus maximize your exposure and gain worldwide attention. Music listeners, log on now to enjoy new music from up-and-coming artists. Then. Vote for the songs you like best to ensure that your favorite artist wins. Also, check out the latest in music news. Music execs and producers, scout music talent to find your next big star. Musicians and voters, sign up for SoundChew today. That's www.soundchew.com. S-O-U-N-D-C-H-E-W. Once again, that's www.soundchew.com, the number one online music tournament. Relevant conversation. 
So next up on the list, what we got? What we got? We got some Atlantic news. Now, I don't care what news station you listen to, what newspaper articles you read, whatever it is, every single one of them is slanted towards something. Okay, they all want you to feel something, and their writers write it for that purpose, or their whether it's read um, by a news anchor or whether it's put into print into a newspaper. Each and every single piece of news you that you read or that you get is slanted in some shape, form, or fashion. And that my news is no different. So the only thing about mine is at least I'm honest with you and I'll tell you up front, yes, my news is slanted because it's my news and I can do that. So <laughs> these are the stories that I think you should be paying attention to right now. And first up, we're going to start with the gas prices. If you have been to fill up your gas tank, you know that gas prices are are just rising ridiculously every single day. We are now at the highest gas price in the history of the United States for the month of February. Now, most of the time, gas prices go up during the summer season when there is a huge demand, um, and, and they have these regulations that make you uh, have to have blended oils, um, blended gasoline, and that causes the price for the manufacturers to go up. So usually kind of spring, summertime, you get those higher gas prices because of those regulations and the demand. But never have we had these high of gas prices in the month of February. Like I said, right now, we are at the highest gas prices for the month of February in the history of the United States of America. Now, I'm going to tie this in with something, and here's my slant because I want you to understand this. You hear right now where it's all it's always being said, tax the rich, tax the rich, tax the rich. It's, it's only right that they pay their fair share. Well, I want to let you in on a little secret. If you think that they're just taxing the rich, you have lost your mind. Because, let me put it to you this way, remember this talk when you hear them say, the evil oil companies, they're gouging you. The evil oil speculators, they're gouging you. They're making the price of, go of, of, of gasoline go up. Now, the gasoline, the oil companies, big oil, the, the enemy of the left, makes seven cents per gallon off of each tank that you, um, no, each gallon of, ga of oil that they sell. For each gallon of oil that they sell, they make seven cents to the gallon. The federal government taxes 46 cents for every gallon. Now, I want you to understand that. Oil companies, seven cents. The federal government, 46 cents. Who is really the evil one? And I put this in context because this tax is not hurting the rich. The rich can p fill that gas tank up with no problem. This tax is directly hurting the poorest among us, those who have stretched budgets already, who need that gasoline to get to work, to get their kids to school, to get their kids to after-school activities, or whatever have you be it. This oil, this tax is hurting you the most. But... This is a hidden tax. Now, the taxes they want to talk about is the taxes on the rich. The taxes that you will never hear them mention 
are the hidden taxes that are put squarely on the back of the middle class and lower class Americans in this country. So we need to be paying attention to this. And to even further this point, to understand this tax was put into place. For to fix roads for road repair and infrastructure, um, to keep the infrastructure up. That is the purpose when they put this tax into place. Now I want you to think about every time they say we need a stimulus, we need to create jobs with a stimulus. This job will go for infrastructure repair and road repair. They have a forty cents, a forty six tax on your gas to pay for that, yet they need more stimuli, and our roads and infrastructure are falling apart. So the point all the time is not tax the rich, tax the rich. It's pay attention to what the government is taxing you, okay? Stop worrying about what they're taking out somebody else's pocket and start worrying about what they are taking out of your pocket. And also understand that that tax is also going towards, if you don't have gas, um, electricity, you're also paying that extra amount of tax in your electric bill, okay? And as it is winter and we all must turn on our heat, that is why the cost of your electricity is also going up. So your gas prices is going up, your electricity is going up, and I don't even have no shame in, it, in saying this. Blame Obama for it because he said his energy prices were designed to make the price of of um, electricity to go to skyrocket, to go through the roof, so that we can get off of oil and get onto green like solar and, and wind and fairy dust that makes the world go around because that is what they're hoping for, a wing and a prayer. We need a good domestic energy policy. And if we as a country were to set in motion that idea, then we would have gas back down to $2, $2.15, per gallon. So when you go out and fill up on your gas tank, please remember that. Just please keep that in mind. Okay. Now, what else? We buried Whitney Houston this weekend, and um, I know uh, P did an extensive show last weekend honoring her memory, and I I was happy to be on there. And if you didn't get to check that out, I want to reiterate one of the points that that I made last week, and it was reechoed by um Whitney's bodyguard at the um at the funeral at the home going service uh, let me call it a home going service at the home going service for Whitney Houston that we take so much from our stars and that we never give anything back and sometimes the only thing that we can give back and i'm not talking about uh ticket sales or movie sales or you know um going to see them in concert this that or the other i'm talking about prayers because an individuals prayers can can do so much um, to have God turn his eyes towards somebody that might be in need. So I, I just want to reiterate that and put that back out there that that we do so that our stars do so much to entertain us that the least that we can do, especially when we see one of our icons in trouble, is just to to take a moment and, and to ask God to watch out for them and to keep His hands on them and um and be thankful that they're there that they're, they're, they're sharing their talent with us and they're giving us something to be happy about every once in a while and and that's a beautiful thing, but. 
another thing about it that I want to reiterate was yet uh, on yesterday, a miracle happened. And I want you to understand what this miracle was. At yesterday, a huge chunk of the world was at church, at the same church, at one time, all eyes focused and all eyes hearing a message not only about Whitney but about God's grace and mercy. Um, as I as I strolled down Twitter yesterday, I had a lot of people um, um, that I follow because they're atheists and I like destroying their arguments. But I, I had a lot of those people saying, wow, this is what God feels like. And you had a lot of people yesterday questioning um, and, and maybe getting a glimpse into into why so many of us fall on our knees and ask for his grace. And, and that was a beautiful thing. And so many people love Whitney outside of her Christianity, uh, outside of her Christianity and her religion, but just for her craft. But because of her craft, she brought a lot of people to church yesterday. So I um God bless her. I know uh he's got her hands on her. Um God's got his hands on her now. So God bless her for that, but also God bless everybody who came yesterday and sat for for one of them negro funerals that was supposed to be 2 hours but ended up lasting for 4. You know, you know how we do um like uh P, P like to say on on colored people's time. So um, big shout-out for everybody who watched us today and who got a little bit of church inside of them. And another thing I wanted to bring up was the O'Reilly thing, and I'm going to make this short and sweet, but O'Reilly was catching a lot of flack about the comments that he made about about Whitney Houston because he said that that she killed herself, basically. She committed suicide. It was a self-inflicted death. Now, no autopsy reports have came out. Nothing has come out to actually say what the cause of her death was. And and a lot of people have jumped on O'Reilly as being insensitive, as being um, out of touch culturally with people. But uh, outside of whether he said or how he said it, let me tell you what I spent this week talking to my daughter about. I spent this week talking to my daughter about drugs. And every time a picture of Whitney Houston came up, I looked at that picture and I said, oh, my God, she is so beautiful she was just so beautiful and then I turn and I look at my beautiful daughter and every single time every single time that her picture flashed anywhere this week I stopped and I told my daughter to look and I told her beauty can only get you so far talent can only get you so far if you succumb and and you don't find that thing inside of you that makes you happy you will make yourself vulnerable to um to becoming a statistic as far as it goes to drugs because most people who are on drugs are running from something. They're not happy inside. They're not content with what's going on inside of them, and they're running from something, and then they run straight in, into the hand of, of of a vice, whether it's drinking, whether it's um hard drugs or prescription pills. They run in towards a vice. So the advice I gave my daughter was don't go after the money, don't go after the fame. Don't go after um, any other the materialistic things that will leave you empty inside. Whatever you do in life, make sure you're doing it to, because it makes you happy. It fulfills you. And most of all, do it knowing that God is the center of your life. 
And if you have God there as the center of your life, then you're not going to need all that other stuff to um to come in and fill up the space around it because he'll give you all the light. He'll give you all the strength. He'll give you everything you need. And so you need to make sure he is the center. But to, to have this conversation and to do this celebration of Whitney without bringing up the fact that she was addicted to drugs and that that did play a large role in in how her life has kind of been these last couple of years, to not talk about it is a disservice to our community, to not bring it up and and to not have it in the forefront that, yes, she did all these wonderful things, yes, she was beautiful, yes, she was talented, but in the end, it's not enough. To not say that and and have that as a, a, a... layout in our conversation it is a real disservice especially when so many of us lost our parents we lost our friends we lost our relatives we lost those um people who were inspirational to us we lost them to drugs their names will never be on tv no one will give them the big star-studded funeral but their deaths mattered and we might not have talked about it then, but in, if in nothing else, make sure you're talking about it now. And I think that, that that was the point that O'Reilly was trying to make. And even though he is crass in the way that he makes those points, I think that it is very important that, that we understand that, that there should not be taboo conversations that we can't have amongst ourselves. And even though we loved her, we can also say that we saw the truth. We saw what drugs did to her and also pass that on to our kids to let them know that the fun, that the fame and the money, it doesn't make you happy. It doesn't make you whole. Only God can do that. So shout out for that one. Now, to go to the Twitterverse real fast, because it was another argument going on um, where it was Andrew Breitbart and Keith Oberman, okay, and they were they were at war this week in the Twitterverse about the Occupy Occupy and the rapes that have occurred in the Occupy camps. Now, I, I don't want to talk about Breitbart. I'm not talking about Keith Oberman. The point I want to bring up about this is one in four black girls have had some kind of sexual um, maltreatment, whether it's young touching at a young age or rape or um, some kind of just inappropriate sexual conduct has been pushed on one in every four black women. And this is not a subject that is made to be a joke about. This is a very, very serious subject because having been through an experience of my own in my youth, I understand what it does to a young girl at that age to have her body violated to have not only her body but her spirit violated. Now, the overarching thing within Occupy was that they, they didn't want to talk about it. They didn't, they didn't want to mention it. They had even made pacts amongst themselves at Occupy not to um, cooperate with the police and finding these rapists and having these rapists punished. Instead, their answer was to create these women cliques so that all the women could kind of sleep together in one place at night so they could be safe from the rapists. But the actual rapists themselves were not prosecuted, and um, the occupied people actually made a point to tell everyone not to talk to the police and not to cooperate in the cases uh, of these rapes. That is sickening to me. That is the most sickening thing that I have ever not 
the most sickening. It is one of the most sickening things that I have ever heard. Because outside of you doing it to a child, this is a grown woman who chose to put herself there, but no woman deserves to have her body violated. No woman deserves to be put into a situation where um, anybody is allowed to take from her that which is truly hers. And for you to have create a culture, not only where it is nearly accepted, but it is also protected, it is, is just downright sickening to me. So if nothing else, I don't care if you're down with the Occupy, and um, I know that it's not everybody in the movement who did this, but if you can't stand up, on this one point and say, no, that they were wrong. And every single one of them, who every single man who decided that he wanted to go and violate a woman's body, her personal space, her personal spirit, and you're not going to say anything about it, you are the scum of the earth. That is all point blank, bottom line. And, and I hope, I hope when you go before judgment, that you, yeah, I'd like to see you try to explain that to the one who sees all. So I'm just going to leave it at that one. Now, for my other part of slanted news, <laughs> there's a few things that I want I want to bring up real fast because last time, last year around this time, every single news organization was touting the Arab Spring. Oh, it's this great rise in democracy. Oh, they're going to bring freedom to so many people. Oh, it's just so awesome. Just look how they're falling. One dictator after the next dictator after the next dictator just falling all across the Middle East. I want to, um, these are two crass jokes that I heard, but I heard them out of the mouths of Muslims on YouTube when you do a little research. If you research the, research the question or Google the question, what do they call black people in the Middle East? Google it, okay? And then you'll know it's not me saying this, that this is actually the truth. But they say, what do you call, what do they call black people in the Middle East? In the Middle East, they call black people slaves. Okay, because long before the first black man made it to the American shore as a slave, Arabs were enslaving black men in the Middle East. Long before the Atlantic slave trade happened, blacks, blacks of, of Africa were being enslaved to Arabs. And to this day, Arabs still refer to blacks as a slave. It is used as a derogatory term like they would use nigger against us here, okay? It means the same kind of thing, to let you know that you are underneath and beneath them. And also, what do they call Christians in the Middle East? This don't matter what color you are. If you're an Arab Christian, if you are a black Christian, if you are a white Christian, if you are a Hispanic, whatever kind of Christian you are, what do they call you? You are called an infidel. Okay, and their duty, as stated in the Quran, or at least that is taught to them, most of them, out of the Quran is that the infidel shall be killed. When you see the infidel, cut off and remove his head. So keep that in mind when we go into the rest of the stories. So Coptic Christians are still being slaughtered in Egypt. If you don't know what a Coptic Christian is, a Coptic Christian is just a Christian that, that, that comes from Egypt, 
that that's all it is is a is a Christian who was born and raised in Egypt. Well, the the Coptic Christians make about make up about thirteen to fifteen percent of the Egyptian population. Now, I want you to understand that when the uprising was happening last year, uh, around this time, the uprising was happening. The Coptic Christians stood hand in hand, eye in eye with the Muslim Brotherhood to bring down Hosni Mubarak. Okay. They stood together, they protested together, they took the brutality of the military together. They stood hand-in-hand to bring down the dictator, Mubarak, okay? Now, the Coptic Christians even created human shields around the Muslims on Fridays when they had their prayer time to make sure they weren't weren't disturbed by, by the military forces. They did all of this because they believed that once Mubarak was gone, that they would have a society where they could live and coexist with the Muslims of Egypt. Not so much. <laughs> Since um, the downfall of Mubarak, uh, the new Salafists, this is what they call outside of the Muslim Brotherhood, who for political reasons are keeping them, their hands pretty, pretty clean, there's a group called the Salafists in Egypt. They're very hardline Muslims. They say their enemy is the Christian. Point blank, their enemy is the Christian. So ever since Mubarak has been um, taken out of power, they have burned down um, churches. They have torched people's homes. They have slaughtered um, uh, at least a thousand of the Coptic Christians. They're going through raping women. They, um, if if you are elected to a, a, a power position or any kind of government office as, as a Christian, they're killing you. They're doing it, and there are no repercussions for any of this. There's no charges. You don't get brought to court. You get to do it, and you get to walk away with no fear that any consequence will come to you whatsoever. So please, please, Please get down on your knees tonight and say a prayer for the Coptic Christians in Egypt who are having their faith tested like no other in this world right now. Keep them in your hearts and keep them in your prayers. All right. Another country that went through the Arab Spring were the Syrians. Now, the Syrians are basically a, a whole Muslim country, so they're not really kind of fighting that that religious war. Um they are they are actually in trouble because they are um they are um repressing their they have this really repressive government there and the people just want to have freedom. So that's kind of what it is that they don't want to shake off their era um their Muslim religion. They they still want to live in kind of a Muslim slate, but they know they just don't want to be ruled by Assad anymore. So the Syrian government has disallowed any press. You can't have let anything in. They're not letting anything out. They won't even allow the Arab League, which is the League of, of Muslim Nations, to come in to see what is happening right now. Now, Assad put out a promise that he was going to give the people a constitution. But instead, every single time he gives them a promise, he cracks down on them with even more um, brutality. And I want to give you a little quote. This is from out of the mouth of Assad. He says, this conflict will continue, and the pressure to subjugate Syria will continue. And out the other side of his mouth, he says, we as a state do not have a policy to be cruel to citizens. Hmm. 
Now, the U.N. sets the death toll in Syria at about 3,500 people. Mind you, there's nobody on the ground to verify this, so, you know. All right. Oh, okay. Let's see. We're going to take a caller. Uh, NC, last four digits, 006. You're on the air with me, Sonny. What's up? Hello? Hello? Is this me? Yes, it's you. How are you? Okay, 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 okay. I, I, I'm not listening to the Internet part, so you just caught me off guard. Um, I'm on the web and Facebook. Um, I've been listening to what you're saying, and um, I'm, I, I'm, um, this is really deep. It's a lot deeper, and it's a lot deeper, and it's not just there. It's, it's culminating all over the world, and... And like you said, getting on your knees, second cross of seven fourteen. But I really, in my mind, I, I'm not trying to be a pessimist or and try to wish for this or wish for that. But what I am saying is, I think in my own spirit, I feel like all hell is about to break loose. And and I'm even thinking there may not even be an election. Um, I'm just saying that this is a deep spiritual issue, and Jesus is our only help and cure. Yes, he is. See, you beat me to the punch. That was gonna come a little bit later in the show. So I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with, I'm kind of with you on the same point. But I just wanted to lay the dots out there, and I was gonna connect them up a little bit. But you have, you're definitely on the right track. That 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 around the world, faith is being tested. Faith is being tested on every single level. And those of us in America who who claim to be Christians and to follow God really haven't met the test yet. But pretty soon we will meet the test, and our faith will be tested. And it's going to be interesting to see how many of us can actually stand up for what we say we believe in. Yeah, and I was, I was just on the Internet a while ago, and I cut across the video. A video and you, I don't take YouTube too serious because, you know, anything will be fake. But they had one video that was talking about Facebook. And it was talking about how Facebook was... Uh, a CIA run outfits, and that, and that I can't say his name, Zucker or Zucker. He is kind of like a CIA, and and the, and they even showed a video where the CIA made a comment that we can monitor this stuff. We can, you know, we can see what's going on and take people's friends out and get their telephone. Or they make it so easy for us. They're going into our stuff, so people need to be really be aware of what they put on Facebook is really dangerous in that area too. But. Yes, I mean every everything is the point. The point is right now we have to ready ourselves, and, and that's kind of everything that it is tonight. And the first way that you ready yourself is by by becoming aware of the situation and know what's going on. And that's kind of what um, I'm hoping to bring out tonight. And um, I, I appreciate you listening and calling in to share your thoughts with me. Can I say one more thing to you? Please keep doing what yourself. you're doing. Please keep doing what you're doing, and Pudgy needs to keep doing what he's doing. We need to push this issue because I am getting so frustrated. I put stuff on Facebook. Nobody wants to see it. Nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody's scared of it. You try to tell people on the street, friends, hey, this is they, they, oh, you just don't know what you're talking about. You're just, you know, they're blind, and they're so blind. It's like, wow, you just want to snap. And, and <laughs> And and, it's, and I know Pudgy feels like I do. He's out on the radio trying to, on the Internet saying, hey, people, wake up. And, and a lot of people are not waking up. They're hearing it, but it's going through one ear and out the other. So y'all keep doing what you're doing. Keep pushing it and keep doing it because um, I really, this, this 
it don't look good right now, and and people just don't realize like we're about three quarters away to socialism. But um, that's just my guess. It could be closer, could be far off. I don't know. But it's just we don't have no privacy anymore at nothing. So just keep doing what y'all doing. Not a problem, but I'll tell you the same. Keep doing what you're doing because you won't be judged on the ones who don't listen. You'll be judged on the fact that you spoke. So keep on speaking out, and we'll continue to do the same. Thank you for calling in. Retail plug you out to LA, and it's from Wilson, North Carolina. All right. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, thank you. And see, somebody listening. <laughs> somebody listening. Don't think ain't nobody listening. We all out here fighting the same battle, so so keep the faith that someone is listening. Um, let me get through this slanted news real quick so we can hit a quick commercial break real fast. But I, I want to bring up Greece because I have to talk about Greece real fast because Greece is burning. And if they, if you haven't heard this story, you need to hear this story. Greece is burning because of austerity measures. Now, the majority of jobs in Greece were created by the government. And, yay, that sounds wonderful, but the fact is the government has no money. And since they have no money, they can't pay the people who they gave the jobs to. So now, now they have to cut the jobs, but now not only do they have to cut jobs, they're cutting the food rations that they were giving out. They're cutting all the government policies, health care, all of those things, those social programs that they put into place because they thought that they would be able to pay for it as an all-powerful government they're now realizing that they've run out of other people's money. And now that they've run out of other people's money, they realize that it's unsustainable, that they can't keep it up. So now those tens of thousands of people who were dependent upon the government are now in the center, uh, are now in Athens burning the city down. They've set buildings on fire. They throw Molotov cocktails at the police officers. And this is the second austerity measure. But it won't be the last because even with this set of cuts, it will not be enough for Greece to overcome the debt that they have occurred and to be able to keep up with um, with the promises they have made because they don't make anything. They don't manufacture everything. Government does not create. It only takes. And since they have had a government that is set and built on the fact that they can give and give and give and not make anything in return, they have no way to back up the promises they have made. And this is a wake up. This is this is grease is burning and it is coming to us because we are beginning to do the same thing. We are continuing to print money. We are continuing to um, have a, a, a growing and ever-expanding federal government that makes nothing, that creates nothing, but are paying these huge salaries to all of these people. They're promising health care. They're promising retirement. They're promising uh, college. They're promising all of these things, and we are $15, we are $15 trillion in debt. It will come a point where we cannot pay for it. And look at the example that that Greece is setting. If you cannot pay for it, then Athens will burn. And it will be coming to America if we don't wake up, and if we don't wake up very, very soon. So let's do a – let me – let's switch this in. Okay, let's put this in real fast because I want to hit the method to my madness quickly, and then we're going to swing you to a commercial break. And come back with the um, with the subject for the night. So I have this um, friend of mine, Brittany Moret, at B Moret. That's B M O R R E T T on Twitter. 
Um, you check her out if you can. She's a young Hispanic conservative, and um, I, I've kind of fell in love with her um, her sensibility and the way she looks at the world. But she asked this question the other day on Twitter. She says, "Do um, she has a blog, and she asked the, um, everybody on Twitter, do I write my blog to bring conservatives into my world, or do I write my blog to bring my world to the conservatives? And if, you, if you're not in this movement, then you might not understand what that means, but to someone like me, that's huge, because we're, we're kind of walking this tightrope. And I bring this up, and this is going to be my message to my madness. This is going to be why I'm doing what I do tonight. Um, conservatives, Republicans, whatever you want to call it, are always um, coming up with this outreach, and, and and my two, I hate the, I hate these two words, inclusion and diversity. Okay, inclusion and diversity. I despise these two words. Now I want to give you a quick example of why I despise these two words because conservatives don't understand what they actually mean. So first up will be President Obama. Al Green. And then to know that uh, Reverend Al Green was here. think I would do it. I told you I was going to do it. Okay. The same man did not come out. Now me, who is not the biggest fan of Obama, even when I heard that, I'm like, woo, go ahead, Obama, because I am an Al Green fan. Now, cue up the, the conservative version of diversity with Alan West. Walking down the street 
love you, but come on, dude, what is up with that? This is what conservatives do not get, conservatives, Republicans, whatever you call it, this is what you do not get, okay? When we speak about diversity, we don't mean the color of our skin. It's not supposed to be important, the color of our skin. So just because Alan West is black doesn't mean that that's bringing true diversity to to the conservative movement. It doesn't because if he's going to come out and he, as a person, if you took me out of the equation, if I never knew anything about Obama, if I never knew anything about Alan West, neither one of them, and you play for me, the clip of, of of Obama singing Al Green, and then you play for me the clip of Alan West singing Pretty Woman, I would say, okay, I'm going to go with the guy that, say, that, that played Al Green. I'm going to go with the guy that sings Al Green because culturally that is what 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 that what makes me happy, what makes me smile, what would make me stand up and give the standing ovation that you heard in that Obama clip. They clapped for that man for like two minutes just because he said, ah, I can't sing, but I shouldn't have did that. <laughs> but they clapped for him ridiculously because he didn't touch their political heart. He didn't touch their um their that that kind of all of that nonsense mess. He touched their soul. He touched their their culture, and he made them feel like he was one of them. And I'm sorry, but pretty woman is not going to touch my soul or my culture and make you feel make me feel like the conservative movement movement is now all of a sudden diverse. Okay, the reason that you failed and all of this outreach, the reason that it doesn't work and the reason that it doesn't succeed is because if you don't have the cultural diversity, not just the color of someone's skin, but the cultural diversity to go into these urban areas, to talk to people in a way that actually touches their spirit and not just their political um, beliefs, then you will fail. It is that simple, point, blank, and period. So we're going to hit a commercial break. I'm going to give you an example of what it sounds like to be a conservative and touch someone culturally, and then we're going to get back and we're going to talk about the gatekeepers in America. It is KIRP Radio Show, Keeping It Real with Pudgy. All your trucking needs, make sure you contact Allen's Trucking LLC. That's Allen's Trucking LLC, owner Brian Allen and BA Welding Incorporated. For all your trucking or your welding needs or transportation needs across the country, make sure you contact Allen's Trucking LLC out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Their number is 919-426-5455. Again, 919-426-5455. If you have transportation needs and you need to get your equipment there on time, make sure you contact Allen's Trucking LLC. 9.8 ounces is nothing. 9.8 ounces is everything. It's the difference between empty bleachers and packed houses. It's the difference between showing up and taking over. It's the difference between JV 
and VIP. Because the difference between nothing and everything is 9.8 ounces. The difference is the Adidas Adidas Crazy Light. The lightest ever. Available at Foot Locker. Do you have a garage full of old junk? At least you think it's old junk. How about a storage that you've been paying the bill on for so long and you've just been moving stuff into and you're ready to get rid of it when you look at it all the time? Well, if you do, make sure you contact Faulkner's Antiques before you throw it away. Again, that's Faulkner's Antiques out of Burlington, North Carolina. Faulkner's will pay you top dollar for estates, sterling, old furniture, pottery, signs, old toys, and etc. Faulkner's Antiques, they specialize in some of the most prolific antiques in this part of eastern North Carolina or the USA. So make sure you contact Wayne Prophet at Faulkner's Antiques, 336-214-6427. Again, that's Wayne Prophet. That's the man you want to talk to at Faulkner's Antiques, 336-214-6427. And if you get a hold of Wayne, guess what? He'll come to you free of charge. And if you can't get to him at that number, make sure you dial this other number. 336-675-4897. And don't forget, Wayne Prophet at Faulkner's Antiques says, don't forget the reason for the season. Remember this number, 9.8. That's not the time on the shot clock. For the seconds left in the game. It's not the number of times I will light you up. Nah, 9.8 isn't any of that. It's ounces. And that makes this the lightest ever. Scientific tests prove when you drink Dr. Pepper slow, the 23 flavors taste even better. For me, slow always produces a hit. Slow is better. Trust me. America, the NFL, and United Way are inspiring kids to get healthy and more active. Join the Play 60 movement. Pledge to Play 60 today at liveunited.org. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Your home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Skyco. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
right, KIRP Radio Show, keeping it real with Pudgy. Pudgy's at home taking care of the fam, so he got me in taking care of the KIRP fam, so I'm happy to be here tonight. This is Sunny, the conservative diva with a hip-hop edge and definitely a hustler's ego, bringing you nothing but um, intelligent and culturally, culturally relevant conservative conversation. Look at me tipping all over my tongue right now. So let's go to the subject at hand. Um, the gatekeepers. Who are the gatekeepers in America? Now, I just want to point out a few things and, and, and have these things up out front. When people first came to America, they came because they were seeking religious freedom. They were being per- persecuted in, in Europe for their beliefs, and they wanted to come to where they had the ability to practice their religion as they saw fit. When we when they when we fought the Revolutionary War and the actual United States of America was formed away from uh your um from England from the King of England, they founded America on the principle of individual liberty, the man's a man's ability to rule himself. Now it is it is marked with the birth with the um birthmark of slavery and that and that cannot be shaken and that cannot be pushed out of our memory because it was there, it was ugly and it is part of our history. But the actual reason um a founding of our country was founded on that that idea that man could rule himself. Now when they came over, they also brought with them their traditions, their their things they used to um they did while they were in Europe, they brought them with them and when they got here they also developed new traditions of their own. But they knew, they knew without a shadow of a doubt that man could not rule himself, that their tra- traditions would not last and that they would have no religious freedom and no um uh, individual liberty if they did not have God overwatching the whole project. So here we go. Let's cue up Michelle Obama and hear and hear what she has to say on the subject. Would be a great first lady for the United States and is and will always be a friend of the With you, the next first lady of the United States, Michelle Obama. honored, uh, moved, and touched uh, by the war our children, these beautiful little faces, all who come here open and ready and unburdened by all of our hurts and pains from the past, they come fresh to this world. Uh, and we owe them the best that we can provide them as a country. And Barack knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices. We are going to have to change our conversation. 
We're going to have to change our traditions, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place uh, as a nation to provide the kind of future that we all want desperately for our children. Uh, and he is the man to do it. Now, we have to make sure we listen to her words. Um, she says, Barack knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices. Now, you would think that means all of us would have to make sacrifices, but I would like to make sure you remember that the health care bill does not apply to the president. It does not apply to former presidents. It does not apply to members of Congress. And it does not apply to a huge chunk of the federal government who are not covered in the health care bill. All right? So this that's one of the things. But so what are the sacrifices that, that those people in power will actually have to make? But that's separate and different. Barack knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices. We are going to have to change our conversation. We're going to have to change our tradition, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place as a nation. Now, you remember why we came here. We came here for religious freedom. You remember what our founders um, placed our government on, individual liberty. You remember that they brought their traditions with them, but they also created new traditions while they were here. And they also knew that none of this plan, this great experiment of America, would not work without God's hands guiding us. So you know all of that, and now you hear we are going to have to change our conversation. We're going to have to change our traditions. We're going to have to change our history. We are have to move we are going to have to move into a different place as a nation. I want you to understand what this means. This means that we are going to have to have gatekeepers. Now the purpose of a gatekeeper is to is to decide who comes in, who goes out, and without their approval, there is no movement. They control the gate. Now, I have four areas that I, that I focus on, and I call them my four H's. I have he, I have hood, I have hip-hop, and I have history. These four are the four where I root myself. And so I want to be able to explain these four to you and let you know the gatekeepers of these four areas. So he, of course, is God. Each one of the, each one of the gatekeepers has a purpose, okay? Each one of them has a specific purpose. They are there for a reason. So the first one is he, of course, which is God. God, the God gatekeeper is there to replace an all-powerful and omnipotent God with an all-powerful and omnipotent government. The second one is hood, which is this your neighborhood, your community. Now, the gatekeeper to the hood is there to replace the idea of self-rule with political correctness and the government is always right. So that's where you kind of get that watch what you say, these subjects are taboo, because there's a hood gatekeeper that is there. Now, the hip-hop gatekeeper is there to halt self-correction 
when I say hip hop, I don't just mean the music. I mean all areas uh, of hip hop culture, from the movies, television shows, all of that. When hip hop began, the music itself to um, to to step to step out on that, it started as a complaint against the the ghettos that were in place. It was a complaint against the welfare system that was in place. It was a complaint against the education system that was in place. It was uh, a complaint against basically the social nets that were put into place to help the poor, that were actually keeping them poor, that were that were creating generational poverty. These were the things when hip-hop first came out. These were the issues that they addressed. They were stories that told about what was actually going on in our communities. So the hip-hop gatekeeper, his his job is to halt the self-correction because once you start talking about these things, then you tend to correct them. And then there's the history gatekeeper. The history gatekeeper is there to have the truth, to basically re-educate the population on what it is they're supposed to believe and, and as Michelle Obama said, to change our history. So each gatekeeper is in place um, to, and they have each one of them has a specific role to play. Each one of them has a specific plot in mind. And today, I, tonight, I just want to run through the gatekeepers with you. So how to spot one, how to know one, and what we can do to bust down these gates, take back our communities, save our country, honor our God, and give our children the true history, the good, the bad, the ugly, give it to them all so they're not doomed to repeat the same mistakes that were made in history. So let's start off with he because, you know, I always start with God first. Uh, about two weeks ago, the president came uh, went and he talked before the um, the national prayer breakfast. Okay, I, I was gonna play you a part uh, of of his of his speech, but I, I just thought it was blasphemous, and I I couldn't dare play play it and listen to it again because I it, I think I lost a bit of my sanity from listening to it. But I want to bring up. Three of the things that he brought up in this speech. Now, mind you, this is the man that sat in Jeremiah's church, Jeremiah um, Wright's church um, for 20 years. This is the man that was married by Jeremiah Wright, and then when he ran for election, disavowed his pastor. But some of those same things that Jeremiah Wright was talking about, you, they came up again in Barack Obama's speech at, at the National Prayer Breakfast. And I just want to bring up three things in specific. And you will hear them throughout his campaign. And every time you hear them, I want you to think of these three things, okay? The first thing is your fair share. You hear the president, he says, everybody should pay their fair share. Everybody should do their fair share. I want you to understand, he is saying that it's his job to declare what is fair. All right? He is the person in, in power that it is his job to tell everybody in America what is fair. That burden falls on his shoulders. And every time I want, every time he says this, I want you to ask yourself this question: If it is Barack Obama's job to decide what is fair, who is guilty, who is innocent, what is the purpose of God? What is God's purpose if it is Barack Obama's job to decide what is fair? If it is his job to decide who is good, who is bad, what is God's job? So every 
every single time you hear the president bring that up, I want you to think about it. If that is his job, what is God's job? And secondary, I want you, no matter what position you are in life, because when you hear it, you only think about the millionaire or the billionaire. Yeah, go ahead and take it from them. But I want you to look at yourself. If you are in a house, if you have a job, if you are happily married, and you might not be anywhere near a millionaire, but your bills are paid on time and you walk it around happy, Believe me, there is somebody out there that thinks it is not fair that you have a house, that you have a car, that you have a job, that you're happily married. Someone believes, someone out there believes it's not fair for you to have all those things. So before you start saying, yeah, just pack the rich and take it from them, realize that there is someone out there that's under you who are looking at you saying the same exact thing. Every time you say, oh, yeah, that person's hating on me, remember fair, because that person also has an idea of what is fair, okay? So that's the first point. The second point, you will hear him say, and remember this, please remember this every time you hear him say this, of whom much is given, much is expected, okay? Understand the difference between giving and having the government take from you because there is a difference when you give something of yourself there's something in your heart that says you want to help somebody you want to uplift somebody you want to give of yourself to make someone's life better that is an act that god looks at in good favor to have the government take from you out of your paycheck where you never really see it in the first place so you're not really connected to it because you didn't get it in your hand and then have to give it back they took it before you even got it in your hand that's not giving okay now you are to bring it unto Caesar that is that which is Caesar's but you are also to keep for God what is God's and that is that giving Spirit, that spirit of, of helping out someone in need, that, that, that spirit where he says there will always be the poor among us and it's your job to help them, that is giving. But to let the government take it from you and for you to believe that that is the, the equivalent of, of what is expected of you, God gave you life. Are you breathing life into someone else? Because that's expected of you. God gave you dreams. Are you aspiring to someone else to dream? Because that is what is expected of you. They keep putting this monetary value. God isn't monetary. He is spiritual. So if you are spiritually rich, are you giving that back? Because that's what God expects. He he asks 10% from you in, in monetary terms. That's the tithe. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're middle class, it doesn't matter. Your 10% is your tithe. That is your monetary duty to God. But what he expects of you is those things that can't be touched, those non-materialistic things. Are you giving back those things which, um, which, which are expected of you? That should be the question, but it's not the question. It's always brought back into a monetary term. So make sure you think of that. And then also remember that we get to look at the president's income tax, 
his income tax return. Here's your president saying of much of whom much is given, much is um, expected, who pays less than 1% of his income to charity. Okay, less than 1% of his income went to charity. That means he's not even tithing in his church. So understand that before you jump on the bandwagon uh, of what you give, you must give back. Um, The third thing is, am I my brother's keeper? All right, I'm going to make this short and I'm going to make this sweet. And go back and watch New Jack City. Go back and watch New Jack City. And remember the scene on the top of the building where Nino Brown is there and and G-Money is there and everything around them has crumbled. Everything around them has crumbled. And G-Money asks Nino Brown, am I my brother's keeper? With tears in his eyes, am I my brother's keeper? And Nino Brown says, yes, I am, right before he pulls the trigger. Okay, understand that, that it's easy to say that you're your brother's keeper when everything is going good and the champagne is flowing and everything looks rosy. But when everything falls around you, those same people that were saying I am my brother's keeper will be the ones who stab you in your back. So the person that you need to keep is God and stop worrying about man so much in the, in the terms of, it's their job to put you where you're supposed to be, whether it comes to fairness or whether it comes to what is expected of them. These are the things that the gatekeeper wants you to um, to kind of um, think about. And I want you to understand that the government, they keep on echoing this separation of church and state, separation of church and state. And at the same time, when they want to talk about why you should give, why it's okay to tax, that's the first time they bring God up because in God's eyes he would say that this is the right thing to do. They are perverting the word. And we really need to understand that, that they are perverting God's word, and we should not be accepting it. And I want to further this point because a couple of days ago, uh, you know, the contraception mandate is, is, is really big out there. And if I go into abortion, you know, I'll get stuck there, so I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to kind of paint the picture for you. They're out there protesting the uh, contraception mandate from the health care plan. Some pastors and priests and pro-life people go in front of the White House. They get down on their knees and they pray. And for getting down on their knees and praying in front of the White House, they were arrested. Now, uh, Reverend Pat Mahoney, um, he had this quote. He says, the faith community can never be silent or indifferent when it comes to matters of justice, of, of justice, human rights, or religious liberty. We want to make it clear to President Obama and all public officials that we would rather spend time in a dark prison cell than be coerced into complying with an immoral and unjust government mandate. We will be peaceful. We will be humble. We will be prayerful. But we will stand. So I told you about the Coptic Christians over in, in, in Egypt. They stood with people who thought that they were there, um, who, who secretly said that you are my enemy. They stood with them, and they're paying the consequences for it. Either you stand now. Or it will come here. If Christians do not stand now, we will all be facing the same fate, just like the caller said. 
You think that you can be safe here in your religion. If you do not stand now, you will see that that safety is not there. We Christians must break down the gates. We must knock an all-powerful government back to understanding that God is all-powerful. And if we fail at our job, it will be nobody's fault but our own. I want you to understand where all of this came from because in the 1920s, Margaret Sanger, who was the mother of Planned Parenthood, but she also was she was so insidious that she came out with the Negro Project. And I want you to understand this. She wrote this. We propose to hire three or four colored ministers, preferably with social service background. That means people who are in the community working for the betterment of the community, okay, with social service backgrounds and with an engaging personality. <laughs> the most successful educational, the most successful educational approach to the Negro is through religious appeal. And we do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. And the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. Well, Christians, it is time to rebel. There is a gatekeeper are you going to stand behind the gate or are you going to knock the gate down? That is the question. Oh, boy, boy, boy. Mm-mm-mm. So, neighborhood, the hood, okay? Who are the gatekeepers for the hood? Now, it was a, um, this has been happening for about the last two years now. A lot of black minorities are fleeing from the north and heading back down to, to southern states. So they're leaving Illinois and New York and Pennsylvania, California. They're leaving all of these red states, and they're, I mean, all of these blue states, and they're running back to these red states. And you ask why. If you look at all of these states, and I'm not, I don't even want you to look at the states. I want you to look at these majorities of these, um, of these cities. So we're going to look at, like, Los Angeles. We can look at Detroit. We can look at Philadelphia. Now, these, all of these urban areas are, are heavily populated with minorities, and they're all run by Democrats. Every single one of them is run by Democrats and has been run by Democrats for the last 40 to 50 years. The gatekeepers of the hood or your community are your mayors, the local unions um, and social services groups. Remember, Marcus Singer said, it, get those social people, those people that have their, their roots in social um, in social issues. That's the reason there's an ACORN. That's the reason there's an NAACP, an uh, 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 urban league. They are entrenched within these minority communities, and they keep pushing the same kind of message. And I want you to know all of these are, are spiritual illusions. If you read... I can't even get inside that because I just, oh, my goodness, I got so much to say. To keep it basic, there are illusions that are put into place to make sure that you don't escape your community. You don't leave. And you have to understand how the vote is counted to understand why this is put into place. For the national campaigns, when it comes to the House, um, to the house seats especially, 
they kind of have it gerrymandered so they know which districts are going to go for which party. And that way each party can kind of count the number of um, of districts that they have. And then there are a few districts that kind of sway either way depending on, on the weather or depending on the season at the time. But the majority of these minority urban um, communities are all in one district. They have been capsized to fit all into one district so that that district is locked down. So as far as the, on the federal level, they don't have to worry about that seat. The seat of Maxine Waters comes to mind. She doesn't have to worry about election in her district because it is so rigged that she knows she'll get it. But she knows she'll get it because she knows the people that live in her district aren't going anywhere. They're stuck in a generational poverty trap, and they aren't going anywhere. These are also the cities that are have the highest poverty rates. These are the cities that have the highest unemployment rates. These are the cities that have the highest school dropout rates, as, 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 along with some of the highest crime rates in the entire country. These are also the cities where you'll find the majority of the occupied groups because they have pushed this mentality from their government structure, being the mayor's office, the city council, they have pushed this mentality that the government knows best, that they can control, that they can do what's right, and that they can do what's good. And in all actuality, what they're really doing is they're creating a place of generational poverty. They are the gatekeepers. And that's why if you go to the most of these cities, you can go and talk to the average 19, 20-year-old minority in, this, in, in that city, and they will tell you they have never left Philadelphia. They have never stepped foot outside of Chicago. They have never stepped foot out of New York City. They have never stepped foot out of Los Angeles or, um, or um, Oakland, California. They have never stepped foot because they are so stigmatized that their world is so small and so sheltered. It is, that is the job of the gatekeepers of our hood, and they do a wonderful job of it. They play these racial games. They put these spiritual illusions up, whereas everybody else's fault is the rich people's fault, is the rich community's fault. They have good schools. We have bad schools, but they never mention it's their policies that give you bad schools. It's their policies that keep businesses from coming into the city and creating jobs. It's their policies that destroy the city. Look at Chicago, okay, the, the stomping ground of the president, where he says, I was a community organizer. He put his whole resume on Chicago. They're murdering people. Their mothers are losing their sons. Their streets are running red, and they've, they've been organized already? What have they been organized for? It is time that we knock on these gatekeepers' doors and we say we have had enough. You cannot stay in power off of our blood, our sweat, and and our tears of burying our, our sisters, our brothers, our cousins, our nieces, our nephews, and most importantly to all the mothers who have had to bury their children. When will you stand up and tell the gatekeeper of your city to get out of the way there is work to be done and you will not allow them to continuously lock you into this little box making you think you can't escape? making you think that you have no way of self-rule. You were put here by God. You are to be ruled by him, not by a government. 
Come on, my, come on, when are we going to break down these gates? So I'm going to keep on moving and going to the third one. The hip-hop, um, hip-hop gatekeepers, hip-hop gatekeepers. Now, the Grammys were a few weeks ago, and I, I, I stopped watching the Grammys. I think the year I stopped watching it was the Black Eyed Peas won Best Rap Album, and Jay-Z was in the category. And I was like, oh, really? Black Eyed Peas over Jay-Z? Yeah, I don't think so. And I, and that was the year I stopped watching the Grammys. And, um... I want you to understand who controls our culture. And if you think we control our culture, you have lost your mind. I want you to understand who controls our culture. Because, first of all, we are the biggest complainers of our culture. So we complain about our music. We complain about what music gets played on the radio. We complain about um, what videos get played on BT and on VH1 and MTV, you know, because we're not getting Michael Jackson magic anymore. You know what I'm saying? We're getting hoochie mamas in little skirts. We're not getting those good videos, and we complain about it. We even, I mean, complain about the hip-hop songs that you hear in commercials now, the McDonald's hip-hop songs, where I just shake my head like, did they really just do that? Like, seriously, did they really just do that? So you hear us complaining about our own culture and what is being um, put out for us to buy as a product. And I want you to understand who runs the music industry. They're contributors to the Democratic Party. They're liberals. I want you to understand that that while you're complaining about the quality of music that, that is being put out and how it represents us, I want you to understand where their political leanings are, and, and do they maybe have a reason for what music they allow you to hear? And it goes the same thing with our movies. We can put from even from black from the black um, black exploitation days, right? Where they have jive turkey, you shucking fool, those kind of crap. There, it was put out to kind of paint us with this picture of what we were, and we didn't actually talk like that, but but that's what they put out. That's what Hollywood put out. And if you know anything, Hollywood is full of liberals. Obama goes to Hollywood and gets millions upon millions upon millions of dollars for his campaign. He he went against SOPA. He went against PIPA, which would be the um, the antitrust rights for um, for internet use on products, on music, on movies, and things like that. And they threatened to pull their support for him, but. He went there like what this week and, and had four fundraisers and raised like twenty four million dollars for the Democratic Party in, in under a week. So Hollywood is is strictly in 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 the liberals' pockets. I want you to understand this when you hear about things like Red Tails. So Red Tails come out. It was given to Hollywood. Hollywood wouldn't make the movie. Why wouldn't they make the movie? They wouldn't make the movie because they said it had too many black actors in it. So understand, understand what they really think. Understand that every time you complain about the number of quality movies that are out there uh, with black actors in it or, or why this certain actor didn't get the Academy Award or whatever they call it, whatever award show they have, because I don't watch them either, but whatever award show it is that they have for that, why this actor didn't win, why that actor didn't win, because it is ruled by Hollywood. And they have an agenda in mind. Like right now, most black actors, if they want to get a movie part, they have to put on a dress. Come on now. Are you getting serious and realizing 
Martin Lawrence can't be in a movie unless he big mama? Understand what they are doing to our culture. And the same thing about TV. We, there are no black positive role models on TV. And the only one that they can constantly bring up is um, is, is the Cosby Show. Is that perfect example of a black um, black TV sitcom. And you want to know why they can't bring that, why they can't play sitcoms like that anymore? Because it was a conservative show. You had, and I want to go down principle and principle of it. On the Cosby Show, you had the family structure, mom and dad raising their kids. You had the retelling, the retelling of history from their grandparents. Grandparents came over all the time. They told the kids about growing up, how it was, gave them inspiration, and retold their history to them. You had independent parents, both Cliff and um, I, well, I can't remember her name right now. Felicia Richard, uh, I forgot the name on the show. Both of them had jobs. One was a doctor. One was a lawyer. Truly independent family, no government assistance, no help, no none of that. They were doing their thing. They had strict guidelines and rules for their kids. They made their kids act like kids and demanded respect for them in every sense of the word. They passed down traditions like uh, the constant need for their kids to go to Hillman. They, they, it, it was just this conservative show from the heart of it. And, and that was ranked as the most watched most um most beloved black show ever put on the air and it was full of conservative principles. They can't have that anymore because it goes against what they believe in. Did you remember when Cliff and Claire that's her name Claire. Cliff and Claire used to go to church on Sunday and make the whole family go to. That's what they can't have anymore. Because if they do that then they're gonna be destroying the jobs of the other gatekeepers. So they're controlling our culture now. Where are we? Where are we to look at this and to notice this and say, no, 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 we will not let you decide what is culturally correct for us. We can stand up. We can make the movies we want to make. We can make the songs that we really want to hear. We can make the TV shows that inspire our kids. We don't want our kids watching Housewives from Atlanta. We want our kids being installed with some principles that we can't. That we don't have to be afraid to let them watch TV for thirty minutes, scared of what they're going to hear. So where are are us cultural lovers standing up and say no more gatekeepers? Where are you? How long does the gate stand before you stand up and say enough is enough? I'm just saying. And the last one is history. Now, mind you, you haven't heard anything out of this White House about Black History Month. You haven't heard a single whisper out of this White House about Black History Month. And there's a reason why. See, we have to rewrite our history. Remember Michelle Obama told you that. We have to rewrite our history, and they did it. Let me, with the simple, simple, simple explanation of Black History Week and how it changed to Black History Month. Black History Week was started so you could celebrate the birthdays of both Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln. So you can have both of these cultural icons' birthdays in the same 
um, week, and they both fought for the same cause, and they both fought together for this cause at the same point in time, each challenging the other to be the best that they could be, and that was supposed to be the point of Black History Week, that not only that you would study the black history, that you would also understand the relationships between blacks and whites, and the understanding that black history is indeed American history. That was the point. But no, now they're changing into Black History Month. And you hear the complaints. They gave us the shortest month. Why is no black people in our history books? Why? They don't want to really teach us black history. Simple point of the matter is, if you're not teaching yourself black history, then you are the failure. If you're not teaching yourself American history, then you are the failure. See, they have put gatekeepers in for your education. They call them teachers. They call them professors, and the professors and the teachers, their design is to make sure that you get the version of history they want you to have, and I call it the SSSA education. This is where they teach you about slavery. Then they teach you about socialism. Then they teach you about segregation, and then they teach you about assassination. So they let you know you were a slave, you were beat, you were whipped, you were put into servitude. Then they tell you about socialism. Oh, look what the government can do for you, and the government is so big and omnipotent when it's giving you things. And then they tell you about segregation, but look, look at those white people over there. They still don't like you. They still hate you. They're still going to make sure that you have nothing in life. And then they teach you about assassination. If you step up, if you dare to be different, if you dare to tear down their gates, you will be killed like like Martin Luther King Jr. or like Malcolm X. That is the purpose of the gatekeeper. That is the purpose of the education they give you. And the purpose of all of it is to get to our children. They're going to bypass you because you have already had things instilled in you. But they're going after our children. So you can't say Merry Christmas. You can't. There's no longer uh, an Easter egg hunt. Um, it's no longer an Easter egg hunt. It's now a spring hunt. You can't put the navigation on, on, on city property. The whole reason is to control our children, to get our children Just like Obama said, look at all the children. You brought all the children here. That's their target. They want to change the conversation for the children. They want to change the traditions for the children. They want to change the history for the children. The gatekeepers are called progressives. That's what they're here for, to progress you away from freedom, to progress you away from religious um, freedom, to progress you away from individual liberty, to progress you away from the things, from having an omnipotent God that watches over you and guides you. They have to get you past that point. That's their purpose. They are the gatekeepers. How long will you stand it? How long will you let them rule and decide what is best for you, what is best for your family, what is best for your city, what is best for your culture, and ultimately what is best for this country? At some point in time, we have to break down the gate. Will you break down the gate with me? All right. Well, that's a good show, and thank you guys for having me on. I probably ran a few minutes over, but it's all good. It's KIRP Radio Show, Keeping It Real with Pudgy. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I had a blast. This is Sunny, the conservative diva with a hip-hop edge. 
definitely a hustler's ego, intelligent and culturally relevant, conservative conversation. P will be back next week. Thank you so much for having me. I'm out. Real, 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 real